This is Bob Elmore. I played Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, and this is Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. What do I normally say after this? Uh, yes. You, something about us. Uh, Watching old movies. Yeah. We're, we're uh, seasoned professionals. Yes. New movies. All right. Let's do it again. Um. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, where we discuss movies of the past and present. We are your hosts. I am Richard, and with me are Jolian. Hello. And Will. Hello. All right, so we will get into this uh, with a brief warning. There will be spoilers if you have not watched the thing that we're going to talk about and don't want it to be spoiled. Go watch it, come back and listen, or be spoiled. There you have it. Uh, <laughs> or go watch it and give up. <laughs> you should watch it and try and decide to... decide it wasn't worth listening to a podcast about. <laughs> you, could, you could just pace along. If if you read the TV guide, don't need a TV. Yep. <laughs> that was, uh, do you remember where that was from? No, I don't. That was from Lost Boys. Oh. That was the old granddad I've character. tried to keep him out of my mind. He was the only one who didn't have a mullet in the whole movie, I think. <laughs> he was hard to take the last time I watched that movie. Oh, yeah. It's... That was some scenery chewing right there. Yeah, that's <laughs> our favorite. Uh, thank you very much to the Moon Rays for providing us with the intro creature features at the top of every show. And you can find their work at themoon-rays.com or find them on Amazon. This isn't going out live, is it? <laughs> we are doing a live broadcast. We're down here at Car Toys. <laughs> All right. What uh, have you watched since last time, Will? It's been uh, days. It's been days. I've been watching the Venture Brothers. I love the Venture Brothers. Or rewatching them. Yeah. So. How many seasons did they get into that? Uh, the sixth season is coming out next year. They've said for the last three or four years. <laughs> it's like all all the. Uh, what would you say? Independent bands always say when they're uh, done recording and they're engineering the thing, mixing it down about two weeks. I think uh-huh. it's the famous when, okay. when it's going to be out. No, it's uh, they have five seasons and it's so stylized, such great animation. Mm-hmm. I love their stuff. Have you watched it? No, I've seen some artwork for the collections. There's, there's one of a, like a Tyranodon grouping a plane or something. Yeah. Is that, that's the series. Yeah. I've never seen it. How about Archer? Have either of you watched Archer? That's the kind of James Bond takeoff thing. Yeah, uh, I'm not <laughs> not seen that either. <laughs> he is a, a he is an agent. He is a spy of sorts, but uh, it's hard to explain. He's a sort of a boob, <laughs> but he's a really good martial artist and and uh, 
He's great with weapons of all sorts. That one I don't like as much. What do you? What don't you like about it? I don't like the cartoon. It's too self-referential, or what? No, I don't like the the, the drawing style, oh. the look. Yeah, their 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 big fat cutting edges are a bit much, huh? Yeah, it's a bit much. Um, I understand that. Whereas Venture Brothers looks like a cartoon, so it does. Any other favorites as far as how they look? What cartoon wise? Yeah. Um, nothing that I'm watching recently. How about uh, the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy? That was all right. I have friends who are doing the regular show now, and oh, yeah? uh, Adventure Time maybe I don't know. Yeah, that would be a good one too. I know that some friends of the show watch Adventure Time. They really dig that one. So, Jolien, what have you watched since last time? Uh, I've been pretty busy, so I've not had much time to watch things. Um, what but in the I... two and a half days <laughs> since we saw you last? <laughs> Did you lose a lot of sleep thinking about Night of the Living Dead? I have not slept much, but um, <laughs> uh, for different reasons. Um, but I did go and see Spectre, which I've been looking forward to very much. Was it any good? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so, I enjoyed it a lot. <clears throat> since last time I got to watch the first episode of Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. And it was fun. It was really mm-hmm. good. I think, you know how I would joke sometimes about that's where they spent all the money when uh, in Halloween, the Rob Zombie Halloween, they had put Rush in there. And I said, oh, that's where okay. the budget went. This, they used Highway Star by Deep Purple. Oh. And it was really kind of cool because here's this guy trying to live in the past or sort of hold on to some bit of his youth and just... Uh, it's not Shaun of the Dead sort of thing again. No, it was just what you would expect Ash if he never really took responsibility or matured very much. But they sort of hide this behind the notion that he's laying low and staying away from the deadites, Hmm. which I don't think are supposed to be out there and able to find him until he reads the incantation and opens the rift, which... Spoiler alert, that may or may not happen. That's all well and good, but what about the Night of the Naked Dead? Oh. Did not. Or the Naked Living Dead. You you watched it, Naked Dead. I did not go back and watch the rest. Oh. Why are we doing this? We should be watching that. uh, That's what I thought. We should watch that and comment on it live. Why don't we do that as our next one? Well, it's too new. I mean, we'll be ruining it for the tens of people who might watch Night of the Naked Dead. We'll be ruining it. We should just ruin it. It's already ruined. You know who ruined it? The people who made it. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. So that was about it for me, I think. Uh, I tried to find time to watch more of the Coffin Joe stuff. Okay. But I don't get that opportunity till about 11, 11.30, <laughs> sometimes 12. And then it's like, do I need to be up until 1.30? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to. It's just a matter of when. Uh, so there's Jolien loaned me three or four, four Coffin Joes. Well, in in the actual series, there's three. Okay. Uh, then he appears in other films like Black Exorcism and right. The Strange World of Coffin Joe and gotcha. things like that. Oh, I know what I watched about another half hour to maybe forty five minutes of Silent Night, Deadly Night, because <laughs> I know this is gonna this is gonna sneak up on us when we we're gonna do our winter slash Christmas sort of uh, 
horror comes to the holidays, horror comes to winter, we're going to do this episode or a couple episodes. And I do want to be ready. I, I want to have more than just like, oh, hurry up and watch this one. Mm-hmm. I want to have like three or four that I've watched. Okay. So I'm starting now. <laughs> and I don't like watching things in increments, but sometimes that's the way it has to happen. We asked our listeners to give us some questions for Jolien, who, if you can't tell by listening, if this is your first episode you've listened to, and judging by the uneven number of listens and downloads, some people have just jumped in wherever. Uh, Jolien is from England. Hopefully more jumping in than out. (laughs) Hopefully more people will jump in and listen. And, And here's a little reminder, please rate, review, subscribe. Go to iTunes, rate us with as many stars as they will let you rate. If you're only going to rate it one or two, then just quit listening to us and don't rate us at all. But if you like us at all, please do give us a high rating and uh, a nice review. And at some point in time, we'll make stickers available as a bribe or T-shirts or something. We we rate you very highly. Yeah. 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 We devote so much time and effort to this for absolutely free. Come on now. We're not asking too much. So... If this is your first podcast, you may notice Jolien has a, a bit of a speech impediment. Mm-hmm. He's from England. It's called an accent. Uh, so we asked our listeners to please pose some questions to the Englishman. <laughs> questions, why England? Or why Englishman? So we have a couple here. Uh, from listener Brian, why is your cheese unpasteurized and so very delicious? This is from Brian in Arizona. It kind of goes together. I mean, it's illegal in this country, isn't it? You can't, <laughs> you can't bring over the good stuff. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. For real? Yeah. It has to be pasteurized. So the only way to get yeah, the good it, stuff is to go so, there? Uh, like the uh, main cheeses here are so um, processed. They take out all the good bits. Yeah. All the good bacteria. Look up, yeah. uh, look up, um, they've had raids, like DEA raids. <laughs> I'm not kidding. On, Wouldn't it be the FDA raids? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking but it would, but they don't probably know how to do the it, so FBI the DEA... would step in. But they would do raids for uh, people Bureau, who had... Bureau of Alcohol, Firearms, and Cheese. Yeah, mm-hmm. but unpasteurized milk, people who sell unpasteurized milk were getting will get raided. Because it's illegal. Wow. Again, people pick the damnedest things to take issue with, don't they? So. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. So, so it's the bacteria that makes it so delicious. Was yeah. That, yeah. Uh, all the, all the, uh, you know, as, as it decays or whatever, the process <laughs> of decay Decom- makes it so tasty. All right. Uh, from listener Crystal, um, could you explain gollywogs? <laughs> oh dear. Uh, oh. I didn't have much experience with them. They were still used as a logo on a certain brand of uh, marmalade when I was when I was really little. But, uh, yeah. So yeah. so what is a gollywog? It's a uh, <clears throat> it's a kind of cuddly. I'm, I'm glad this question came up because it's this is so easy <laughs> to answer. It's not at all. <laughs> we're gonna look uh, for the curveball next. Yeah, they're a little. Um, not a loaded question. Uh, Dolls, generally soft dolls, that are kind of caricatures of black people, um, which were very popular with British doll-loving kids back in the day. Really? Yeah. It's from a book. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There was a lady who, I believe, Victorian, Edwardian. Yeah. 
I don't remember when she wrote those. But hmm. uh, yeah, that you don't see them around these days. No, it's, it, it, <laughs> some of those things have just sort of gone away. You really th- there's a uh, Alan Moore did wrote about them. Yeah, I forget which book that was in was it Black uh, Black Dossier? Black Dossier. Yeah, but yeah, look that up. He he does a good essay about the history of the Gollywog and because mm-hmm. he used one of those characters in his story. And dear listeners, if you just started listening to this podcast because it's going to be about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, hang in there. We're going to reward you greatly. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have some fun. And you're going to get to hear an interview I did with Bob Elmore, Halloween morning. Uh, Bob Elmore played Leatherface more than the actor who is credited as playing Leatherface, uh, Bill Johnson. There was so much stunt work that the stuntman, Bob Elmore, really truly was more Leatherface than Mr. Johnson was. Hmm. So we're going to play that at the end of the show, and then maybe we'll do some outro music. Um, But it was really cool. He's a very nice man, um, and our hearts go out to him. He did lose his son in an accident just days ago, and Hmm. uh, that's tough times for his family, I'm sure. And, of course, anyone who knows about Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface in the original, he died just a matter of days ago. Yeah. Right. I mean, within a day or two. Yeah. So that that's um, something I guess people didn't know he was sick. So it comes as a surprise. But, uh, you know, hats off to uh, these guys for doing the work they did. It's it's quite the entertainment that we've gotten from all these good folks. Before we move on, we have another question about England that just came in. (laughs) Luckily, I've got this device with me. That's like a miniature computer. Uh, What was the most? This is from Johnny. Hi, Johnny. This is not Johnny, who we talked about last week with the sharp driving gloves. This is a different Johnny. We we understand. Okay, just want to be clear. Yeah. Because there were two Johnnies well, we I mean, talked we, about. we understand that this guy is a different Johnny, but right. we're not totally sure. It could be the same Johnny for all we know. You know, he did... We didn't see him get shot in the original 1968 Night of the Living Dead. We, we saw him come through and... We saw his glove. Yeah. Anyway, what's the question? What was the most difficult aspect uh, you remember having to adapt to moving to a different country? And uh, Americans get a lot of flack being fat and arrogant. Are we really all that different? (laughs) I guess that's two questions. I have, then I guess I technically have three questions for you here. So first, what was the most difficult aspect? How long is this show? It's going to be at least 15 minutes long at this rate. It's uh. What was the most difficult aspect you remember having to adapt to moving to this different country? <laughs> Learning the language. <laughs> yeah. <I'm>... <laughs> <laughs> and buying a gun. Moving to, I lived in Japan for a few years, and at least there you know going in that the language is really different. You've got four different writing systems. And coming over here, it, it looks the same, and people we kind of sound it. the same. And, <laughs> but, yeah, there, there's some things I just didn't get. So it's a lot like all the bullshit we deal with when we go to Canada, huh? I don't know. I've never been to Canada. I've been like twice, I think. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I spent many a happy year going through immigration. So, uh, yeah, it was all fun. Yeah, that's a long process. Yeah. So would you say that the slang was a, a bit of a steep learning curve or did you uh, kind of figure it out right away? I got I mean, most of the slang... I get from uh, films, TV. Oh, you got yeah, but, you got uh, forewarned by watching movies. Yeah, I mean, um, 
you know, I, I was really into American pop culture and novels and so, uh, yeah, I knew a lot of that stuff. I find some of the regional accents, I, I, I catch like, one in four words and have to figure it out from there. So, um, like the Deep South? When I've been in the South, it's just... Indecipherable. Yeah. You can say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, I, I was... Oh, this is probably patronizing. Maybe we should edit it. But um, oh, before I came over, ready. came over here, uh, you know, you get you get a pretty poor impression of the South mm-hmm. you know, from the history you hear of and how they're shown in their movies. Mm-hmm. But the Southerners, Southerners I've I've met who you know, uh, when I was in Japan and um, and traveling, uh, been some of the smartest people I've ever met, which is a nice surprise. I I will say that. Having um, gone to Atlanta, Georgia, for the first time, really visiting the Deep South since going to Florida as a child, they were very polite, very kind people that I met. The one peculiarity was when someone introduces themselves, it's first and last name, which I, I found really interesting. They will not just say, you know... Hi, I'm Joe. It'll be like, uh, you know, hi, I'm Joe Smith. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it's like that. So, and I was kidding about us dealing with bullshit in Canada. The only thing is the metric system and the fact that it's really weird. You're not allowed to tip or you're not supposed to tip. The metric system's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of going back in time coming to America. It's like, it totally is. is. The metric system. <laughs> How many hogs had? To yeah. <laughs> how many cubits long? How many, is this? how many goats do you want for that? Um, yeah, um, and and the the slightly different way you do dates as well that takes some thinking every time. Oh yeah, oh, because, yeah, that's right. Because in England you go small to biggest. Large. Doesn't make any sense. But in America here. you go medium, small, big. Mm-hmm. Part two of this, um, I guess, the second question of this lot. Uh, Americans do get a lot of flack for being fat and arrogant. Uh, are we really that different? Are we the fattest, most arrogant people you typically yes. encounter as, say, tourists <laughs> coming to England? Okay. But, I mean, I, I, I try to keep in mind that uh, America is, you know, a big country and uh, everyone's here. Every type of person there oh, yeah. is, is is right here. So you, you can find the best and the worst. And... Yeah, for sure. And, and you would notice, of course, we have given a lot of cool stuff to the world. Mm-hmm. In spite of the fact that we have so much crappy stuff we've given to the world, <laughs> I think when you have this many people working on a thing, it's there, there's going to be a lot of bad to go with the good. Yeah, and you've you've given the world Night of the Living Dead and Night of the Naked Dead. <laughs> All right, so arrogance, though, uh, yeah, that, yeah, 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 that's a thing, isn't it? Well, you're the superpower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that that comes with it. Uh, then the, I do like the everyone's here. I think that would be a good slogan for us. <laughs> well, we I mean, need more sloganeering. <laughs> I feel that people aren't aware of America. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get more in their face. I, I think so, yes. <laughs> I mean, we have listeners in, um, I want to check this to be sure. I know we have listeners in Brazil and okay. the Netherlands. Wow. Yeah. I check insomniacs I everywhere. Yeah, isn't <laughs> Reach it, out isn't for it true? a cure. But I mean, surely before I was born, there was still uh, like the empire was still dying out, and you, you'd still have traces of that idea of the British Empire. 
And uh, I feel a lot of it here, you know, the American Empire, which people don't even acknowledge there is one. <laughs> but it just feels like that end of empire thing oh, going yeah. on here. This empire will never die. <laughs> okay, know. last question. Um, what is the biggest difference between American and English cinema? And does and do you feel the horror dif- uh, genre differs much between the two? Well, these Quality. Days, these days, the difference is that you have one. Mm. So is there no British cinema? Where we have facilities for other people to come in and make films, uh, and we we have lots of charming romances and and the occasional uh, Simon Pegg movie. Right. One of my very favorites, Shaun of the Dead. That's an English movie. <laughs> but uh, I th- I think. Uh, because a lot of our uh, cast will come from the theatre, as opposed to going uh, through TV into straight into movies. We don't have theatre in this country. That's why. <laughs> no, we only we only we have TV and then movies. There's theatre of the mind here, everywhere you turn. So, should we get into the movie? Yes, let's do it. All right, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, 1986. Uh, I'd say pass. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> what what did you like about it, Will? No, no. Let's let's, let's go on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Julian, what is your history with this movie? When did you first see it? Oh, blimey. Um, well, it wasn't available uncut for years and years. I think it finally did become available, but uh, yeah, it was just um, cut to shreds and. Uh, you no pun need, intended. I need to see it on tape and, and you know, it was pretty it's murky looking. 15 minutes long. Yeah. Do, do you remember what the edition you loaned me was called? Uh, it's the uh, gruesome edition. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was pretty gruesome, I will say. Yes. Uh, yeah, you, you could only see those gruesome bits uh, in, the, in the UK through Fangoria. So it was essential to get that magazine and, and look at it carefully and before you go to see a movie because that all that stuff will be missing you have to imagine where those would have fit in <laughs> you just have to hold oh the here's where that guy's face would have been sawed right. off but so you just hold the magazine up in front of the screen <laughs> yeah. for a second just fill in the blanks right yeah when, when you do your pirate copy you just uh, do a photo of your magazine <laughs> the movie came out in 1986 when do you think you first saw it like five years ten years later what yeah, it would have been five years or so later. This morning. <laughs> First time I saw this movie was this morning. Well, wow. A very fresh impression. <laughs> yes. I, I think I saw this long before I saw the original. That's Because cool. that was harder to get. Wow, you backed into it. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the first one's so gritty and it feels like, like a snuff film. That one just left me shaking. It's really... You feel battered <laughs> after seeing that. Yeah. It's yeah, that's traumatic experience to go through that film. I, I think I saw a, a saw two with a bunch of people because I remember um, after when when it ends and it kind of cuts off quite abruptly, doesn't it? And like people going, "What the?" <laughs> they didn't know what to make of it. Did I did I ever tell you uh, what I thought was the most missed opportunity in the Saw series? Oh yeah, it was Saw series. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the most missed opportunity was. The promo they should have written for Saw Two, which and I'm going to use the echo effect on this when I when I edit this. If you saw Saw, then see Saw Two Two. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I that thing practically wrote itself. I can't believe they didn't think of it. That's really good. Yeah. 
But there, there was a period in um, England where you couldn't have chainsaw in a title, like uh, Hollywood chainsaw hookers was. They they replaced the word chainsaw with a with a diagram of a chainsaw. How do you live in such a oppression? Oppression. I don't know. I mean, Rains a, all the time. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher keeping the movies away from you. Yeah, this, this is the country where in in 1984 they brought in the video recording act. <laughs> ah, we'll celebrate the year by doing what it did in the book. Oh, oh that's good. That's really good. I love that. Love a country with good irony. Yeah, we'd love a sense of humor with our oppression. Certainly. Here's a good bit of censorship. Speaking of Iron Maiden and Margaret Thatcher, no, you just you didn't mention Iron Maiden, did you? No, I just thought of she was known as the Iron Lady. The The Iron Iron Lady. Lady, Yes. So the band Iron Maiden. When I was a teen, I bought the Iron Maiden Killers album. Yes. And I bought the T-shirt, and. There is Eddie, the corpse guy, holding a hatchet or an axe of some sort. And it's all bloody, and he's got this grimace on his face. He looks very fierce. And there's a pair of hands clutching at his T-shirt. Apparently, mm-hmm. the person he's murdered is falling and sliding down and holding onto his shirt as they yeah. fall dead. And I heard that if you backed away and saw the whole painting, it was Margaret Thatcher who has been murdered. Oh, no, it looks like a man's hands. Oh. She she's in one of the uh, the cover. <laughs> she had man hands. Is that what she, we heard of? Um, Send all complaints. Cover for uh, <laughs> one of the early singles. Uh, was it Running Free or Sanctuary? Yeah, but she's she's definitely on the cover, and she's kind of done up in army clobber, wearing a beret and stuff, and huh. hiding around a corner. Yeah. Ah, well, that makes one sense. Of the early Derek Riggs covers. Derek, Doctor Death Riggs, great artist. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Welcome to the Iron Maiden podcast. So what what <laughs> movie Hammers. are we talking about? Um, the Iron Maidens? No. Iron Maiden Texas Chainsaw two? Massacre 2, Electric Boogaloo. You saw it a few years later and you saw it unedited finally. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was kind of off the, off the hinges. And, yeah. Uh, Will, did you know it was more of a comedy than a horror movie going into it? Uh, I knew it wasn't as serious. That's about all. I didn't know Dennis Hopper was in it. What a nice surprise. Would have made me watch it sooner. Mm. I read him as a bit of a uh, Captain Ahab character. Yes. Did, did you He's get that too? He's kind of like got this holy quest thing going on, isn't he? His white whale. <laughs> yeah, sort of. But I, I appreciated it because uh, like the 80s horror, uh, as far as like American horror movies go, like 1985 is a kind of watershed. and It was like the last ones that actually got me excited. Um, and then after that, they got so lame and tamed down, and they're all and they're all about the franchise and yeah, less about Linnea Quigley's titties, <laughs> right? Am I right? That was I that was Return of the Living Dead in 1985, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So that was good. so 1985, you had Reanimator and Dead the Dead and the the Fly and the, right, uh, Big Trouble in Little China and uh, yeah, and then, then should... all those directors are. They haven't really excited me since, but but then this came out the following year, and it was kind of it had more energy than most stuff that was coming out in the, in the yeah. second half of the eighties. What do you think they could have done differently or better with this movie? Uh, definitely soundtrack. <laughs> the soundtrack. I heard originally they wanted it set in a cannibal town. The whole town would have been cannibalistic, wow. and it was supposed to be a parody of. Hell Hotel or Hotel Hell or something. Motel Hell. Motel Hell, uh-huh. which itself is a parody of Texas Chainsaw yes, Massacre yes. in a way. Um, 
So yeah, I didn't like the chintzy eighties soundtrack on this. I mean, there's some good songs, like pop songs, on there, but the actual synthesizer oh, soundtrack I yeah. think made, it, made it feel worse than it actually is. I much prefer the like the music concrete soundtrack on the original. There's all these odd noises and camera sounds and things like that. So something that I think they did really well on this, uh, the stunts. Yeah. And Bob Elmore, which you'll hear in the interview after this, says that when there's a job to be done and you're getting paid for it, you are a professional and you should act like one. He he says as much. And what you'll hear him say in the interview is, you know, not to give you all the content from the interview, that great scene where the two smart aleck guys who are calling into the radio station uh, get chased by the couple of, uh, are they cannibals? Do we call them cannibals? Do they have a family name? Uh, they call themselves the Sawyers. The Sawyers. The uh, Sawyers, okay. Yeah. So when the Sawyers are chasing the two kind of smart alecky yuppie kids and Leatherface is leaning out with the giant chainsaw cutting their car, uh, that didn't show up on film the way it was supposed to. So they had to reshoot the whole thing the next night. And Bob Elmore broke his wrist mm. and had to finish the entire movie with a broken wrist. Oh, Yet he did it. He showed up every day and uh, he, he gave his all. Mm. So that, that was pretty cool. But I, I do think they put a lot into the, the visual stunts and the, and the different gags. Yeah. The, the, I mean, Caroline Williams is, is an Olympian of screen queens in this. Yeah. And all her, you know, she must have done a lot of those stunts herself because you can see it's her. But, you can see good muscle tone in her legs. Yeah. And and she she had at least one stunt woman working with her, didn't she? I don't know. But yeah, she goes through a lot. Yeah. And she's wearing shorts the whole time. Yeah. Will, how do you feel about grown-ups wearing shorts? I don't like grown-ups wearing shorts. <laughs> Women are all right. Men over the age of 13 shouldn't wear shorts. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. It's just one of those rules I've made up. Something I noticed in, in America is that people kind of dress the same way from a very early age. <laughs> you see, how, like a, a father and his son, and then like the son's about five, and the father's dressed exactly the oh same my God, way. Like yes. a sports shirt, big hey, shorts, yeah. big let's, trainers. Let's sidetrack again for a minute because this is kind of fun. What if the Sawyer family dressed in large cargo shorts and Ray Bans and you know Dallas Cowboy shirts yeah and frosted highlight tipped hair <laughs> I like this um yeah if we were to sidetrack for just another moment because why not this is the sidetrack show uh welcome when, to sidetracks <laughs> you're listening where the to conversation sidetracks. never gets back to the topic <laughs> at hand uh when we all work together at the art supply store we just talked about Doing art supplies all the time. Yeah, we helped. We helped a lot of customers find a lot of art supplies and told them how to use them. But when we weren't doing that, we were noticing all these characters that would come in, oh. and we started writing down these different characters, these these archetypes and these peculiar people, and how they all kind of fit under these different headings. And we came up with a retail bingo game. And Will was responsible for probably a solid 40 to 50% of them. And I came up with a lot of them too, but I was the one who kept score, you know, wrote them all down. We turned it into bingo cards 
And uh, I remember the Kidult was my favorite. The Kidult, <laughs> I remember now. It was going to either be the Rejuvenile or the Kidult. And Rejuvenile's I think good, too. Yeah. So that would be the, the grown-up man who looks like he's trying to be 15. What is with that? I don't know. So so Caroline's okay to wear the shorts, but Leatherface should stay away from the cargos. I yeah. Think, I think it's okay. So moving on, um, where were we? Uh, We've not even started. Oh, okay. Movie starts. There's some yuppies. <laughs> yep. There's yeah. A... Uh, Toby Hooper calls them. Uh, was it uh, Beamer Bums? Beamer Bums. Beamer Bums. They're, they're driving a BMW. And... Yeah. And uh, if you were in England and someone said Beamer Bum, what would you? What would they picture? <laughs> <laughs> someone sticking their bare ass out the window, right? And shining a torch on it or something. Yeah. Yeah. And here we just call it. How sh- could <laughs> showing their fanny? How could that... Don't say that in England. <laughs> it means a totally different thing in England. Yeah, other side. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I don't remember now. <laughs> Do you remember the yuppies? Oh, the yuppies. Uh, how could that car not outrace that truck? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much me. that doesn't make sense about that scene. Like, just go faster. They're going... Not only is that truck slower, it's going backwards. Yes. And And, and the bridge goes on for miles. Yes. I thought they started over at some point. It seems like they're on the bridge. And then I think it's just between struts or something. Mm -hmm. But it looks like they start over at the beginning. Maybe they did. Yeah, they just just go over and over. Because you see that bridge afterwards, like the next day. And it's it's, it's taking two seconds. So it's like the Flintstones. It's a little bit like a... Yeah, it's a a Hanna-Barbera bridge. Right. Okay. It just keeps going by... (laughs) What did you What did you like about this chase scene? If you suspend your disbelief about that Beamer not being able to outrun that that pickup, hmm. you're you're just waiting for these guys to get it. Oh They're yeah, so you obnoxious. want these guys to get it immediately. They're, they could not die soon enough. They're pretty loathsome. <laughs> they're totally loathsome. I mean, they they they're messing up the radio show. They've shot out the uh, signs for like the Battle of the Alamo and and uh, Texas Battleland Amusement Park. Yeah. So they're, they're disrespectful to their own heritage. Um, you know who was more disrespectful to the Alamo? <laughs> he was one of my favorites at the time. Ozzy Osbourne. Really? He peed, what, he, what did he do? He peed on the Alamo. <gasps> oh, I'm sorry. I'm surprised he got out of Texas. <laughs> I, I apologize on behalf of my empire. You know, no disrespect intended. He was so drunk, he didn't know what he was doing. He just thought he was peeing on something. Did anybody oh, notice that the pickup truck had an old-fashioned ooga horn? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what could be better? There's a car phone. Now, that was not easy to there come by. two in the... car phones, in fact, in this movie. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that the radio station's phone couldn't hang up somehow? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. She's like, get off the phone, get off the phone. Yeah. Like, that what? was a, the case. If people called you and left the phone off, uh, I don't know when they changed it. But I remember as a child, somebody called and they left the phone off the receiver and we could not call out. Were you on a party line? No. Weird. We had one, my older brother had one friend who if he called and wanted to be, he was kind of childish, uh, if he wanted to be a jerk, he could just not hang up and you couldn't hang up and pick up and dial again. He was still there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, exactly. was, that was a thing sometimes, but I didn't see it as a consistent thing. Oh no, you could do... Uh... I know at least once, you know, you couldn't call out. You had to just keep, hello, hello, <laughs> hang up. So, so in this scene, the, the guy playing Leatherface is... It's probably Bob Elmore when we're seeing him on screen here. 
Okay. And and he's wearing the uh, corpse of the hitchhiker. Oh, oh is that? Uh, that they, they called him Nubbins. Yeah, <laughs> Nubbins. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's wearing that. It's an amazing. All these characters do amazing entrances. Uh, you remember Devil's Rejects, where they, I think it's um, Lou Temple's character gets killed, and they, they tie his face to that woman, oh. and send her running and screaming. Yeah, hilarity of somebody getting hit by a semi when they're running and screaming. That is funny. <laughs> Apparently, Rob Zombie thinks so. <laughs> he has a lot of. Uh, a lot of knee slapping going on there. Did you catch their license plate? I forget. I watched this a couple weeks ago. F-A-H space Q. What? Fuck Q. Oh. Okay. That's, and that got by somehow. Yeah. When they went to get their plates. Wow. And then that guy gets his head sliced open, which was a pretty good effect. Oh, yeah. That looked real. And Savini is on the effects here. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah. J- Julian, when you watch this with a commentary, did they have anything particular to say about that being sort of the first gore that you catch? Uh, well, Savini's in the back seat with his blood pumps going. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. he, does, he doesn't go anywhere without, like, at least a five-gallon bucket of fake right. blood. <laughs> when I originally saw it, it was like this dim scene that you could barely make out on anyway, and then it was so cut you didn't know what happened. Like, you know, one of the guys is screaming and the other guys shut up for some reason. <laughs> and then the car crashes. <laughs> now, do they ever say that Chop Top, um, speaking of special effects, that metal plate looks so real. Mm. Do they ever say that he's a war vet? Yeah, he's from Vietnam. Because okay. he, he, he wants Namland. Towards the end, when they're down in the uh, that hellish area. He, the he, caverns? Yeah, he wants to turn it into Namland. Oh, did he say that? Yeah, yeah I think so. I don't remember he that. He had a lot of running commentary. <clears throat> he did. He reminded me of David Cross. <laughs> really? Yeah. I can if you see David Cross play like a crazy southerner or do a bit, um, it's exactly like that. I think Jack Webb probably saw hippies that way. <laughs> when oh. he first comes into the recording <laughs> studio and he's got the beetle wig on. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's um... Yeah. Uh, Sonny Bono. Yeah, the Sonny Bono. Yeah, the Sonny Bono. <laughs> now, what is the deal with him heating up? He's got his lighter and he keeps heating up the coat hanger and then yeah, scratching his scratching, head? scratching the old flesh out from around his little plate. Is that what he's doing? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and, then, always... and then he takes a bit off and chews it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> yeah, he... he was the best part of the movie. Yeah, he was pretty over the top. Although the, uh, whatever, the... Cook's uh, commentary at the end was fantastic. Yeah, he gets so many good lines. Yeah, he gets all the good lines at the end. <laughs> Jim Seidel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like uh, yeah, Dennis Hopper. He's fun. And Caroline Williams. Really yeah. Like. Yeah, the character of Stretch was great. Yeah. Because they, they were used to having victims who just, you know, did what victims do and get killed. And she was able to fight back very effectively. Mm-hmm. And she was in Halloween too, which we failed to mention. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah she, she was in a bunch of films. Yeah, a bunch, bunch of horror sequels. Yeah, like, we could tie it all back to Ben Tramer, no matter uh, what. Texas yeah. Chainsaw Three and Hatchet Three. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she she was in yeah Tales of Halloween. Okay. Yeah. Oh. She she's uh, definitely a fixture in the horror genre. She's she's one of the great uh, DJs of eighties horror. 
like uh, in the fog there's the uh, Stevie Wayne character yeah. of Adrian Barbo now one of the um this character reminded me of the uh uh the DJ and Quentin Tarantino's uh whatever that death proof oh yeah you you can know of course that was filmed in Austin also yes and you can know just by looking at death proof that uh he was definitely paying homage and or ripping off a lot of stuff yeah that, that was that was mostly aim uh, that was mostly um paying tribute to like crown international type horror movies mm. in the 70s yeah it had yeah a, this it, was a golden globus <laughs> scourge of the 80s cinema yeah yeah it's like uh, when the credits start and it's the, the canon logo comes up and oh, and there's yeah. that horrible synth score you know you just heart just sinks yeah and you see golden globus and you're, oh man is this going to actually take place in texas or texas italy <laughs> well there was a lot of texas italy for uh, clint eastwood back in the day yeah, Italy was the Bulgaria of the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> so we have we have Chop Top and Leatherface uh, show up at the radio station. Mm-hmm. Now this whole scene looks like it's going to end in splatter, and they're gonna they're gonna get this girl. Uh, she sort of uh, lulls Leatherface in, into this uh, sense of wonderment. You know, he's, yeah, she kind of uh, knows what his weakness is, and she spots she can kind of control him as much as she's able to she decides they have something in common and ask him out (laughs) (laughs) under that face he's probably a nice guy Mm -hmm. he's largely misunderstood Uh uh-huh he's got a skill he could get a job yeah yeah he could get a couple jobs he could be cutting lumber yeah he could (laughs) he could could be a chef yeah butcher a lot of things so this whole thing where they're tearing up the radio station, any favorite parts of that? Um, I don't know. The whole entrance with Chop Top's pretty great. Yeah. He's so bizarre. And then when Leatherface jumps out and oh, hits God. him by accident. It's fantastic. <laughs> it sparks off his head. <laughs> and you that ruined seemed... my Sonny Bono wig. Yeah. yeah. And and she, uh, yeah, I, I like to see her fighting back and... and uh, like they put that metal door in, like in the there's that metal door that's just like yeah. the one in the original, and she gets gets behind that, and, and then he comes through the wall. <laughs> comes through the wall. Well, if you're that big and you have a chainsaw, you can pretty much go through a wall anywhere you want. Maybe not a concrete wall. And poor old uh, LG. Yeah, LG. He uh... did not end well. No. <laughs> <laughs> he can take a hammer though. Yeah. Oh. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, he had a thick skull. The rubber hammer of Tom Savini. <laughs> yeah. So, Jolien, you listened to the commentary on this. Mm-hmm, both well, of them. Now, uh, for the listeners, what, what are the two different commentaries? Okay, so we've got uh, one of them is uh, Toby Hooper and David Gregory, who did the uh, documentary on Texas Chainsaw. And then the other one's Bill Mosley, Caroline Williams, um, Tom Savini, and uh, Michael Felsher. And it's, uh, that's a lot of fun as well. So who kind of had the best things as far as interesting bits to say about this? Savini, I'm guessing? Uh, best things to say? Well, as far as like uh, like things you wouldn't... Entertaining. 
Yeah, what was the most? Oh, they're, they're all fun. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, they're all, they're all kind of talking over each other a lot and yeah, uh, laughing and screaming. And <laughs> they probably haven't watched it since they made uh, it. The men are all admiring her butt. They they love the shot of her going up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and she keeps calling them sick and. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was a horrible, horrible meet cute there between Stretch and Leatherface. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say that the um, the way she sort of lulls leather Leatherface, Loverface, um, the way she sort of lulls him is uh, sort of my favorite part of it because she is kind of controlling him. Yeah, I think that's my favorite part of the movie. Now Dennis Hopper's character, this sort of Captain Ahab mm-hmm. sheriff, lefty and right, he decides he's gonna do battle. Uh, he's gonna fight fire with fire. He's yeah, gonna, he's going to do battle with these with these sawyers uh, with yeah. a saw. And he starts off a bit weird, but he's, he really goes unhinged. Yeah, and he's, he's using her as bait in the when they attack the studio. Yeah, so he gets LG killed. Yeah, which is sad. He's just coming off of having done Blue Velvet at this time, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Hoosiers. Oh yeah, two very different movies. <laughs> Yeah, Blue Velvet was so bizarre and so over the top. I think maybe he kind of needed something like this to sort of... Uh... I wanted Frank Booth all the way. <laughs> that would have been... I wanted nothing. Frank Booth is 100 times scarier than Naga Hyde. Oh, yeah. Noggin or whatever his name is. <laughs> Naga. Vinyl head. Naga, not going to work here anymore <laughs> anyway. I think that he sort of needed to uh, gradually come back down to earth after playing Frank. And this was somewhere in between uh, Blue Velvet and Hoosiers. <laughs> this is kind of like his maybe making a slower uh, descent. According to the commentary, he also saw it as an opportunity to play golf. Oh, oh. because because of Austin, Texas? I suppose so. I'm not well, aware of it. Well, all right. They were paying him, and that was good enough for Dennis Hopper. Yeah. He was probably wearing plaid shorts, like a kidult. He was, yeah, I would say the interaction between Stretch and Leatherface... And the just sort of running uh, character of uh, sheriff. What is the sheriff's name? Um, Lefty Enright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Hopper is Lieutenant Lefty Enright, or Lieutenant, as you, you say. say. You say Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Now, for anybody who watches Sleepy Hollow, <laughs> this TV series. Why? Dear God, why? Why? Just I ask yourself I, why. I don't have an answer for that. I don't. But the guy does say Lieutenant. Yes. So, okay. I watched that show. It's terrible. So I've got a question for you then, okay. you, you Yanks. Okay. Um, so he's he's called Leatherface. Right. Uh-huh. Plainly is not leather. So is this a nod to leather stocking? Because it, he's a kind of they're a kind of parody of the you know the pioneer family uh, mm. trying to take care of themselves and getting animal skins and stuff like that. And so you got you got this famous character from the uh, like the Fenimore Cooper oh, Fenimore yeah, Cooper yeah, novels yeah. called Leatherstocking Leatherstocking oh. Tales or whatever like this, this hunter hero I don't know if, if material like this would, would have such pedigree I, I'm, I'm guessing that they're just thinking oh just like Ed Gein had that's all I thought was, yeah, it was all had, Ed Gein because he had sort of uh, tanned and cured these human hides and was wearing them and I think that's sort of the same way you treat leather and i think well, that's... the writers of these the first two chainsaw films are pretty smart guys aren't they are they pretty literate yeah. okay i guess well, I I think think maybe they literate. did mm-hmm. well 
If anyone out there knows, write in. <laughs> well, I was telling Jolien earlier, um, Bill Mosley is actually a Yale graduate. So okay. for all these kooky characters and trashy people that he plays in the movies... He could be the president one day. He, he could be. In fact, he's way more qualified than one dude I can think of. Well, two I can think of. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's not get political. Because I don't expect anyone to care what I think about that. So where were we? Um, so they've attacked the station. Yes. Stretch gets away. She decides to follow them. Yeah. Because that makes sense. Sure. Well, she's just braver than, <laughs> than me. Well, uh, well... She narrowly, narrowly she, escapes with her life, but says... Why, why follow them all the way there when you could just drive past and go, okay, that's where they went. Mm. We'll but she, go get she the wants cops. To, she wants to be someone more serious. and oh, She says she true. doesn't want to play headbanger music all the time, so she wants to do something that matters. Yeah. Fighting cannibals. Wanting <laughs> Makes your life feel like it means something. Wanting something <laughs> more meaningful I always regard as a character flaw. But so. but it's the kind of character you need in these movies. <laughs> yeah, it moves I mean, the story she forward. has to go down there. <laughs> yeah, it um, does. It does move it forward for sure. So she's chased by Dennis Hopper, who she doesn't realize is Dennis Hopper, because he has a running chainsaw. No, because he's in a <laughs> station wagon. Yeah, he, oh. he turns up and like the lights come on behind mm-hmm. him. You haven't seen yeah. it in a while, but like she's heading towards the uh, that that it looks like a massive tunnel of ribs yeah something. I don't know <laughs> and what these lights that was. come on behind her and you don't know who it is and yeah and somebody to starts driving towards her and then it turns out it's dennis hopper and this location is the prairie dell lake amusement park hmm it definitely looked like an abandoned amusement park yes it was it apparently went bankrupt so it's it's playing the texas i heard there were a bunch park. of unsolved murders there <laughs> I think it was but, just but, a caretaker trying to scare people away. The chili was good. I was going to say that. Big chunks of meat. She falls through the, a hole in the ground, and and we're into the fun house. This underground fun house. Mm. Now, this is kind of just the whole rest of the movie, isn't it? Uh-huh. So Dennis we, Hopper goes and gets his chainsaw. Yes, at the cut-right chainsaws, yeah. which is an actual place where it was. It's now a bar called the Mean-Eyed Cat. The, hmm. mean, the mean-eyed cat. Yeah, in Austin. I would drink there. I think. Maybe. Well, if they have if they have beer, I would. Depends what's in the chili. I wouldn't order the chili. Well, they have anywhere fun. in Texas. They have a bit of like a, um, you know, some of the signage from the film. Oh. Okay. In the bar wall. You know, if if you've not driven to Austin from here in Denver, uh, you haven't experienced. The lurking fear that is driving through weird abandoned places that put you in mind of the first movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and the fact that you get wait no... that was the first movie. Yeah, <laughs> those are related. Well, anyway, I'm that's sorry. debatable. Go ahead. Uh, you remember how we were saying a couple episodes ago how the the new tropey thing they have to do in horror movies is oh there's no signal here. Hmm. Um, that's a lot of Texas. Is no signal here. So you probably should have a map or maybe a whole road atlas and don't rely on your cell phone for much. Um, You should have a gun and lots of ammunition (laughs) and a devil-may-care attitude. And a devil mask. But this uh, urban legend of of travelers staying somewhere and then getting turned into 
fighter that's a pretty old one is is oh, european yeah. you know there's like sweeney todd and well, sawney bean and there was bell guinness here in the states who her family would kill people and supposedly butcher them yeah and then we have them we have uh, what was that um that guy in chicago uh during the the world's fair mm. um what was his name holmes holmes yeah um yeah he had built a i don't whole... know how much of that is just total nonsense. Well, <laughs> he'd built a secret room in the. He built he built a hotel and supposedly uh, he mostly killed people for insurance. It seemed like. Okay. Well, that, that it wasn't just for fun. At least, it was for profit. <laughs> that really changes. That really changes. Stop the being about fun. All those people would be dead by now anyway. <laughs> but I will say uh, the the drive through Texas. These weird abandoned looking towns which may or may not be abandoned really put you in mind of the first movie mm-hmm. quite a bit yeah i i've been through a couple towns like that where you drive through it dark and all the lights are out and there's nobody out in the street oh yeah and the fact that there are speed limit signs and you can't see another living person i still obeyed those speed limits absolutely i didn't want any kind of sheriff pulling me over for any kind of reason it was crazy okay so we're in the funhouse. um so what happens next uh dennis hopper cuts open a wall and guts fall out i have a note for that uh wall guts yeah was it called it the devil's playground or the devil's something or other something devil's butthole the devil's well he calls it hell a couple times yes Now, this, um, this impossible amount of guts that comes spilling out. Yeah. What is this supposed to be? I mean, how many dead people would it take to make that? That had to have been like hundreds of gallons of guts. It was a lot of guts. Yeah. They've been saving them up. Yeah, that, that's, he, he must have gone to Sam's Club for all that. <laughs> Wholesale murder. <laughs> I'm not paying retail for these guts. <laughs> well, they did have the big game coming up, though. Yes. So yeah, there's a lot of tripe there. I believe we talked about tripe before. <laughs> we did. Yeah, that the, I got. I kind of got stuck on that part there when when the impossible amount of guts came spilling out. I thought, now come on. I was just like, all right, this movie. <laughs> just like when Dennis Hopper went and got chainsaws. It's like, all right, this movie's not playing around. They're, they're going full tilt. Mm-hmm. My the best examples later when she just picks up a chainsaw that was in. The dead oh, grandmother's hands. Yeah. Oh, she's all puffs of dust come off of her. That... Yeah, there's a, just a chainsaw there. It was fantastic. But what about a bit where he, he's uh, he's buying his chainsaws and that guy's watching him and getting all excited? Yes. And he's going like, what, what did he say? Uh, oh my! He says something. Oh, my banana. Oh, I don't know what he says. <laughs> well, he's a great character. Oh yeah. my banana! So it's, it's, he's, he's like exclaiming when he's watching Dennis Hopper. Because like Dennis Hopper doesn't say a word. Tree with. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. He gets these chainsaws and he goes out and he just hacks away at this tree. That was his, you know, I've I've only been around chainsaws enough to know that that is not how you use one. Not safely. No. You know, you could, you could hurt yourself using it like that. He was swinging it like a hatchet. My mm-hmm. grandfather cut his arm pretty seriously with a chainsaw. Oh. He didn't duel anymore after that. <laughs> that was his end of his career. Now, did the English invent slapping someone with a glove to challenge them to a duel? Sounds like something the French would do. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds French. French, doesn't it? Yeah, the Cavaliers would have gloves on, so they'd have them handy for slapping. Yeah. 
I'm surprised that while they had their gloves in one hand, the other guy didn't just pull his sword out and stab him. And then he starts sawing it up and he's kind of bring the whole place down. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's hacking at all the timbers and everything. Mm-hmm. And and meanwhile she's uh, she's waking up in in their one of their larders yeah. next to the body of uh, LG. LG. And uh, she uh, recognizes him right away. Well, not quite. Cause Leatherface comes in and she's hiding and and uh, he's, he he, he gets this little electric. <laughs> this is fantastic. All the, the knife, old yeah. Electric turkey carver <laughs> massacre. Yeah, and he uses it to. Carves yes. the guy's face off. Yeah. And, uh, and then but, she realizes it's LG. And she yeah. Goes, they got you too. The electric yeah. tur- turkey carver massacre. Doesn't well, quite have the same ring to it. No. So, you wouldn't be able to kill that many people with one. <laughs> you'd have to make them be very patient and wait. Yeah. Sit still. But then Leatherface leather sees her. She has to remind them of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Their new relationship and... You know, he he goes for it and he puts LG's face on. Yeah, he puts her it face on to kind of disguise her. Yeah. Is what I and took he, it as. He puts the hat on as well. Mm-hmm. Is this to, to protect her from uh, Chop Top? Well, that's, the, the gang? that's the weird thing. You don't know what is in his mind. Yeah, he, he, like, puts LG's face onto her and then he puts, puts LG's the hat, hat on. on. And then he go and he does his gestures. You know, wait there, wait there. <laughs> and I think yeah, he was trying to disguise her from the rest of the family. <laughs> Hmm. I don't think he's all there. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he wants I to. Larry, if the poor chap had some mental yeah, health I, I, issues, I need to see his SAT scores. Yeah, uh, he was not to give too many um, props to the AV club. He did go to Yale after all. <laughs> Leatherface did. No, Chop Top did. Um, the AV club uh, review of this, they compared uh, Leatherface to being more. More like Lenny of Mice and Men, Lenny, than being something like a Freddy or a Jason. Yeah, there's, there's sympathy for him. And... Yeah, and he's obviously soft in the head. Mm-hmm. And she, she's manipulating him pretty effectively. And it's Texas. Can she do better? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that is the scariest part of this movie: the Texas, not the Chainsaw Massacre but, bit. But how about Caroline Williams? She's oh my so god, lovely. it's set in I, Texas. I love the accent. Oh, it's fantastic. But <laughs> does does she not represent the finest points of Texas? Maybe. Are, are any of these folks from Texas? I mean, Toby Hooper lived there for quite yeah. a while. I thought he was from there. Where, where's Kit Carson from? He, he wrote it, mostly. No idea. Well, he wrote Paris, Texas as well. So mm. he, he must like some of it. Yeah, he must be from Texas. <laughs> now, there was a, there was a part... That was cut from the film where uh, Joe Bob Briggs, yes, as his real name, John Bloom, was the gonzo moviegoer. Mm. And we will run his interview. Um, I interviewed him also Halloween weekend. And uh, I asked him about that. I said, well, we would know you as the gonzo moviegoer, but what happened? And he's, mm. he had some reasons why, you know, the movie got cut up the way it did. Um but uh, he would he would have been in this. Yeah, you can see, still see that bit in the extras on the disc. Oh, I didn't watch the extras. Yeah, well, yeah Gonzo movie guy. He, he he comes down these back stairs with this these pair of women, uh, and he's going on about this, this slash movie or something that they've just seen, and then they get to the uh, exit, and the the um, Sawyer's 
van is backed up there and Leatherface comes charging in and then you, it cuts to him watching what what's the mayhem's going on off screen and he's he's given it ratings oh okay i want to see that now yeah so he gets a credit in the end credits but you don't see it in the yeah. final cut yeah joe bob is awesome his his show monster vision was always such fun mm-hmm. okay so we had uh we had stretch um sort of being uh hidden by yeah. the by the graces of leatherface uh, then Leatherface leaves and Elchie wakes up. Yes. With no Believably. face. Believably. Right. Yes. With no face. And he doesn't recognize his own face on her. Yeah. And she's kind of bound at this point, so she can't take it off herself. So yeah. <laughs> it's an awkward moment. It's very awkward. <laughs> when you run into a coworker and you're wearing their face. <laughs> Super I hate, awkward. I hate when that happens. It's like, uh, oh, you wore that too? Yeah. But this is like a, a larder, so there's like knives all over the place. And uh, yeah. he cuts her free, and then, then he, he does. He croaks. Yeah. As and you she will. She takes off. Probably from blood loss. Mm. With... He, he's played by Lou Perryman. And she uh, she runs for a while, but it's eventually caught. Yeah, uh, she, she runs down a tunnel, and then there's this chainsaw going on around the corner, and she mm-hmm. doesn't realize it's lefty, and she runs yeah. back and smacks into the family yeah and they take her and tie her up at the head of the table now i was kind of expecting them to just have a shotgun wedding or i guess chainsaw wedding with uh leatherface because i think this is where they kind of pick up that he's sweet on her oh yeah 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 yeah. like a cook is going on at him saying you know stay away from women and if you wanted to know about them you should have asked me (laughs) (laughs) him being the expert yes yeah, he's he's the one with all the experience. And then we're introduced to grandfather. Now he's 137 years yes. young today. <laughs> that and was on an all liquid all diet. Liquid diet. <laughs> he's a blood drinker. Keeps yeah. him fast as Jesse James. <laughs> and we get the Savini uh scene here where grandpa drops the hammer a number of times. So you can tell it's a real hammer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's establish that over and over mm-hmm. before we hit anybody in the head with it. Yeah. And the and they, cook eventually takes the hammer and whacks yeah. her over the head. <laughs> I kind of thought for a moment, like, that they just chose this moment to kill her off. But yeah. But apparently they just dazed her. Right. You'd think she be... suffered permanent brain damage. But it was Texas, so you couldn't tell. Yeah. And the trauma. She was never right after this film. Well. By the by, her final scene, I would say that that was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. So clocking her in the head, you'd think they'd be better at this sort of thing. Well, he's called the cook, isn't he? So maybe he never did that. Yeah. Work. Yeah, maybe he's not the the, the hammer man. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, that's. I think Dennis Hopper's still chopping down timbers. Yeah, I, I keep wondering, supports. like, how big is this place? Where is he? How come nothing has collapsed? How come he hasn't come around the corner and went, oh, hey, you there? This this bit in, in the fun house reminded me of of the end of uh, of Poltergeist, which Toby Hooper Yeah, and, and the fun house. <laughs> and the fun house, yeah. Did, did Toby was, Hooper direct that, too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, then it all makes sense. Um. The skeletons and the cobwebs and everything is, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's great production But anyway, design. Dennis Hopper shows up and challenges the cook. To well, a duel. To a duel. Doesn't he? 
Well, he no, he just attacks well, the, the cook. The cook starts running away, and then he catches him in yeah <laughs> in the backside. Yeah, with his chainsaw, and then and then then uh, Leatherface challenge. They have, they have that big uh, kind of Errol Flynn type duel with chainsaws. <laughs> yeah, and at some point, uh, Dennis Hopper drops his big chainsaw. And takes up two smaller well, his, chainsaws. His big chainsaw is stuck through. Oh, that's face. right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then he pulls out two smaller yeah, chainsaws. Yeah, takes out his holstered chainsaws. He has holstered <laughs> wow. and attacks with two hands. That's right. Two fisted chainsawing. Yeah. I would like to see Bruce Lee do this. You know, in the cavern scene from Enter the Dragon. Again, this was a fantastic part of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah. It was so over the top. Well, you know, chainsaw fights tend to not oh, be subtle. No, <laughs> the chainsaw is not a stealthy this weapon. Probably one I of the best somewhere. That would be a good um, album name: Subtle Chainsaw Fight. I think uh, I think the first one was in Dark of the Sun. Mm, I don't know. And then I'm not up on my chainsaw fight. There was one in. <laughs> oh, I am. I, I've studied that. There was one in uh, <laughs> Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, oh man, God, I love the chainsaw fight in that one. Uh, there's one in at the end of Up, Russ Meyer. Uh, uh, haven't seen Up. Black Shampoo, as mentioned in a previous <laughs> episode. Black Shampoo. Uh, oh, there, was yes. a, there was a chainsaw fight. But uh, yeah, this is the first uh, you know, out-and-out chainsaw duel with both people going at each other with the chainsaws uh so grandpa pulls the hitchhiker's body down mm. and has a grenade hidden in his yeah, pocket yeah see but oh before that he says some great lines when dennis hopper comes in he says did the such and such catering people send you and he's like <laughs> was it the burrito guy <laughs> the burrito guy yeah he, he mentions another one. I didn't catch them all, but he, he's sure that Dennis Hopper is from a rival uh, cook team. Yeah, when he, when he says he's on a mission from God, he, uh, then um, Cook says, uh, oh, is that some kind of health food? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's the third one. Yeah, and then he offers him a large amount of cash to mm-hmm. go away. Yeah. <laughs> uh so Dennis Hopper, does he saw through Leatherface and the table? Well, he sticks a saw through Leatherface. And, and it goes through the table. Catches Cook, yeah, yeah, again. And then Cook drops the grenade, and that's it. Yeah, because he's, he's got that, uh, the hitchhiker's got those grenades that are like, uh, for use in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, once you pull the pin yeah, and you, let, you release the handle. Take care of yourself and any, yeah. any VC that are capturing you. So, uh that's the end of them. But Stretch is attacked by uh, Chop Top, who's off gathering firewood. I don't know what he's uh, well, yeah, that, he Did he, he goes off, run off. He goes off chasing her. So he's oh, out, that's out of the right, explosion right. just as it goes off. And then they go up this. They're going up this uh, ladder to this. Uh, in the fairground, it was called the Matterhorn. Okay. Uh, and it's uh, but the uh, cook refers to it as Chainsaw Heaven. <laughs> which is this uh this like fake mountain and when you get in, into the little uh cave at the top there's there's grandma there's grandma in a shrine with a, a chainsaw on her lap and she's obviously mummified <laughs> another fantastic but, moment in this film it's a it was a tribute to um psycho to alfred hitchcock's psycho 
Yeah. Well, that, that, <laughs> I'm guessing. It com- comes from the same... Um, uh, source. Yeah, source. The Robert Block book? Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Oh, yeah, which... Yeah, that everything seems to sort of spring forth from Ed Gein's story, but so little of it really accurately portrays what he did. I think uh, he wasn't a chainsaw killer in Texas. <laughs> nope. And uh, there's a film with uh, Robert Blossom called Deranged, which is sticks to more the uh, history. Yeah, there there were, um, I think, two movies I can think of that had the Ed Gein story portrayed in them and it's horrible it mm-hmm. really is yeah. I, don't, I don't know if anybody really needs to know that story just watch <laughs> silence of the lambs yeah, if you want look it up yourself et e. yeah. leathery gross but yeah the the story is you know when they say oh based on a true story a lot of times it's based on the story that these other stories look how much more, is based yeah very uh, little um people are killed so then Stretch spends an inordinate amount of time trying to start this chainsaw right. while Chop Top slashes her back. Uh, she doesn't seem to... Well, oh, he slices she... his own throat before yeah, yeah. to freak her out. Yeah, he goes, uh, look at my face. Doesn't it look like death eating a cracker? <laughs> He's so bizarre and so silly. He He almost was responsible for taking me out of the movie early. Yeah, sometimes it feels like he's doing a turn, you know, yeah. playing a mad guy. Right. Uh, Cook, he, he seems really deranged. He seems like he's got several voices going on at the same time. Yeah. And he comes out with all these, like, stock phrases. Uh, and, and he laughs at himself and he's appalled at himself. And, yeah. Yeah. He was the best of the characters he's so there. And then uh, Chop Top falls to his death, we assume. Yeah, she... she Nicks him with a chainsaw and uh-huh. then he falls back. And he falls backward, hole. hole in one. <laughs> uh, That's an amazing fall. Yeah, it was a good stunt. Guy goes ricocheting down. And then she has the chainsaw and she's completely deranged now. <laughs> now she's doing the, the sort of uh, crazy chainsaw oh, dance. The chainsaw dance, yes. That, that uh, Leatherface does at the end of the original movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's sort of implying that she's now lost her mind and she's one of them well you know in in both movies the women are obviously uh, this is going to traumatize them forever right but you hope that they'll snap back they'll 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 be able to live a they'll be able to could i tell you guys that time i was attacked by a chainsaw wielding family of cannibals no you never mentioned that (laughs) That's weird. Oh, I got over it. I mean, it's okay. no big deal A long now, time but... ago. That was like last month, right? Yeah. They didn't uh, take a flip-flop to you? No. Okay. Because <laughs> I hear that's really traumatizing. Uh, Probably. So, that's the end of the movie, right? Or mm-hmm. do we do we have another scene with... Uh... That's it. That's where it suddenly ends. Like she it pulls back from her. That's yeah, right. they just pull back and... Horn. Roll credits. Boop. Yeah, it's done. Yep. That's right. It is an abrupt ending. I think yeah. that was one complaint. Then that... it's uh, Stuart copeland song yeah from the police hmm. yeah uh, now yeah the, strange things happen the, the one complaint you do hear from people a lot is that it's an abrupt ending and do they need an epilogue what the hell yeah, yeah i kind of wonder if he was dead yeah it was over right so now you can she draw won your... and lost <laughs> yeah she got first and second 
<laughs> she got first and last place. Yeah. Now, this being the sequel, so what was it, 13 years after? What yeah. Was, 12 years after the uh, original? Yeah, it, it's set, it is set in 1986. Yeah. Like the first bridge attack is Thursday, October 19th, 1986, because they show a newspaper. Okay. Ah, okay. So I guess the question I would have is since this is cut to the sequel and we're watching a sequel and not the original, would you strongly advise someone to see the first one to sort of establish what this, where the story comes from and how good the first one is? No. No? You would just tell them jump just, right just jump in. right in? <laughs> this movie's so over the top and ridiculous, it doesn't matter. Well, that's where I had a little trouble. Because I hadn't seen the first one in mm. forever. It's been so long since I've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1, to be clear, uh, <laughs> that uh, it was kind of like just, you know, jumping right in. Well, I kind of felt like I, if I want something to be over the top and kind of silly, I want Return of the Living Dead. I want it to at least not come from a place that was more serious. This one is a sequel to something that's very serious, very gritty. And, and like I said earlier, feels like a snuff film. And when I first watched this, all I could think was what the hell are they doing? It's so silly. First one, Rob Zombie said, um, uh, it's not like you're watching a film. It's like you're following these people. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Situation. So I, personally, I would recommend someone see the first one and then... I, I like it because it's so different. Um, you know, I saw the sequel first, but I'd read about the first one quite a bit before. So you felt like you knew it? So I knew it was different. And, and I kind of... I, I like the fact that they realize that the first one is such a... It's lightning in a bottle. You can't do that again. Don't try. Yeah. Um, so... And, and that that first film people were deranged making it they went to such extremes right of pain and suffering doing that film and uh you, you just couldn't do that again deliberately that that would be true so i i appreciate that they they said we'll do something really different this time well the humor could not be made more clear mm-hmm. than the movie poster where they're posed like the characters from the breakfast club, <laughs> which had just come out the year prior. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all fresh in everyone's mind and everyone knew this thing. In fact, maybe breakfast club was coming to mm-hmm. it sounded a bit like from what I read that, uh, since, uh, Toby Hooper and whoever his co-writer were, uh, Kit uh, Carlson was the sequel. Yeah. There's Kim Henkel in the first one. They, uh, Whoever he wrote, uh, you know, they wrote a story set in a whole town full of cannibals. Mm. And I guess the studio had a rewrite. And it sounded, I'm not sure, but it sounded as though maybe they weren't totally thrilled with the the film um, and decided they were going to, you know, uh, not take it seriously. Mm. So... I'm. I mean, I. That doesn't go against you. Re, you saying that they realized they couldn't capture lightning in the bottle, but it also seems like they were not totally uh, happy with the story, okay, or with the script. Huh. Although he said Toby Hooper said he loves how uh, ridiculous it is, or how funny this one is. <laughs> he's, or he's in the movie. Did you see him? 
Oh, no, where? When they go to the hotel, uh, Stretch goes to uh, knock on okay. Lefty's door. And then there's this guy with this, like, and this Yes, this yes, I horns. did see him. <laughs> That's Toby Hooper. Okay. Yeah, I read that after seeing it. And I do remember watching it. It's like, why is he wearing that? <laughs> All right. Did we cover it pretty well? I think so. Okay. Mm-hmm. So basically everybody recommends it in different ways. Yeah. Go yeah. watch it. It's, it's different. When did Evil Dead 2 come out? Because it's kind of like uh, that same sort of humor. Oh, uh, let's see. The original was in 80 or 81. Mm-hmm. And then I think Evil Dead came out in 85 or 86. Yeah. Let's look that up real quick so we can say with some... Yeah, because it's got that kind of, same kind of Three Stooges, bizarre mm-hmm. DC comics humor to it. Yeah. There's a, a Tales from the Crypt story called uh, Taint the Meat, It's the Humanity. Yes. Uh, so if you're Jack into the Davis. Chainsaw movies, yeah, yeah. Uh, classic Jack Davis artwork. And, and uh, that's also about like cannibalism and economics. <laughs> um, you know, same as the Chainsaw movies. So the Evil Dead was 1981, and Evil Dead Two was 1987. Okay, oh, so wow. just before that. It is it is fun. It is silly, and I think it's worth a watch. Oh yeah, you know, for any horror fan, and and uh, see it with people. It's not so fun by yourself, but if right. you've got people to laugh and scream and and, and bounce the different ideas yeah, off it. of. Like yeah, a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's true. I think a lot of movies play better that way. You know, if you really want. A truly spooky movie to scare you then yeah maybe watch it by yourself but if something's fun having two or three friends with you definitely a good idea all right well let's wrap that up and uh again listeners please if you will go to itunes rate review subscribe that helps us get seen uh again thank you to the moon rays and uh we're going to go right into the interview with bob elmore that was recorded at colorado horror con halloween weekend And we're going to go into that now, and it'll just end after that. And we will see you next time. We won't see anyone. This is a podcast. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) press your faces against the We don't have viewers. We have (laughs) listeners. (laughs) We'll talk at you next time. Sounds good. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is Richard. I'm here with Bob Elmore, who played Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Just a, a, a quick something here. Congrats on being nominated for that 2008 SAG Award. I think you deserve to win for Pirates. Well, that was a, a combined effort of a lot of people, but it was uh, very nice. You know, that's sort of what the achievement is in stunt work is to, to reach something like that. And it was a great honor. Yeah, the award actually read as Stunt Ensemble, was it? Right, the ensemble is the com- combination of everybody, you know, all the people that, there were so many people involved, there really were, you know. But to be nominated, that's a great honor. You know, uh, Dan Berenger, who I started in the business with, was the assistant stunt coordinator on that, and George Ruge, who was the stunt coordinator and second unit director, I've known for a long, 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 long time. So, you know, it's been a long time coming for them, for myself. And you've been in the business for over 30 years, 35 years? No, nah, about 30. 30? Yeah. And how have you seen the the work itself change as the as the business of making movies has changed? Well, when I first started, it was, you know, it was run and gun. We had to do everything ourselves. There was no CGI involved. Of course. You know, we were hanging off of ropes, getting burned, getting bumped, whatever, you know, whatever it took to do 
to design. And then uh, through the years, the more technology that was involved, things got better and better and better, more dangerous, you of know, course. better stunts, better action. And then went to CGI. When that came in, there was a period of time, not very long, that uh, they were using that to maybe, you know, have have a person do a stunt that just was unbelievable. Right. And the only problem was that it didn't why it didn't last very long is that people just couldn't uh, couldn't see it. Right. You could tell the difference between a CGI and a live person. You could tell, you know, and that was and then they developed um, more cameras and more technology on that part where they could superimpose a face on something, which you know, like Avatar and movies like that, which they did. And that was more believable. But now I think it's going for a full circle. It's coming right back where, you know, it's it's getting your butt beat up mm-hmm. and it looks real. <clears throat> and it is real. Yes. The the practical effects always seem to uh, be so much more believable when they're done by an actual human. Absolutely. And uh, a meshing of the two things, uh, CG and practical, seems to be, if you're going to use the technology, try not to use it by itself without real people involved. Yeah, that, it went, it went, it's at that point right now. It went to that uh, because of the sophistication of the audience, the people, you know, that are right. watching movies. And there's a certain level of expectation, I'm sure. Um, what are some of the outstanding moments on the set of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2? Uh, <laughs> some favorite memories or some least favorite memories? Oh, my God. That was the hardest hardest thing I ever did in my life. That was Just the conditions were, were, were terrible. It was so hot and humid in Austin. Mm-hmm. where we filmed it and we worked seven days a week the, the company worked six and then the stunt team would go in and we would prep for monday on sunday so it really didn't give us a lot of time for anything and we were working 14 16 hours a day um special makeup like for bill mosley and then when dan Berenger doubled bill we uh gonna <laughs> turn that damn thing off <laughs> no you're interrupting <clears throat> me here young lady <laughs> And, uh, it, it adds an extra layer, Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Eileen Dietz. I'm yelling at her. She's going to get me later. Um, so that was, you know, they were up at 2 o'clock in the morning for a 6 o'clock call, doing four hours worth of special makeup. The likes know. of Tom Savini. Tom Savini. What, uh, these people were just absolutely geniuses in their in, in what they were doing. And, um, again, it was just the intensity of the filming and the locations and all it would it it was very hard to do very hard and uh, of course the end result very rewarding uh i think of one of my favorite scenes is the uh car chase the uh with the running chainsaw <laughs> was that your least favorite <laughs> film well this is you know i've been hurt and beat up and scratched and burned and everything for over the years but that was the first time i ever broke a bone i, I did, broke my wrist on on we filmed it uh, one evening and everything went smooth and we went back to dailies which are they go back and watch the film the next day and they couldn't see it oh so, so they had to do pickups no just we, reshoot. We, we had to reshoot the whole thing all oh. over again with more lights and and then so at the very last scene of the second day of shooting i broke my wrist oh no yeah so that was that was another thing i had to put up with i had a you know uh, I went to the hospital and said, yeah, you broke it. You need to put a cast on it, you know. And I said, well, I can't. I have to work. It's just not an option. It's not an option. So they gave me a half cast. I wrapped it. I would wear it in between takes, ice bag it, you know, and, and, and that went on for months. So 
Yeah. Well, dear listeners, that is what you call dedication. That's, you know, you're a professional. When you take money to do something, that makes you professional. Yes. So you have to act like one. You have to be like one because in the, the stunt community, if you don't get the good word out, you don't get any word. It is all about the job at that point, isn't it? Absolutely. So um, on that note, how are you in real life wielding a chainsaw? Right now, I don't think I could pick one up. <laughs> <laughs> Past injuries? <laughs> you know, here, and this goes to everybody, and I know, you know, when you, you're, you're a young man and you're invincible and you go through life, you know, tearing yourself up, well, eventually, if you're still with us, you know, old age will creep up on you and everything hurts, you know, and there's a lot of guys out there who are getting hip replacements, knee replacements, everything replacement because right. of all the, all the pounding that they did uh, over the years. And uh, uh, I don't regret one minute of it. Well, that's good. It's... Uh it's good to be at the at this point in the journey and know that it was it was worthwhile and uh, you have given us a lot to look at and and thank you for that by oh, the way. Uh, again, I was doing my job. I'm glad I entertained anybody, you know, somebody, and uh, that's all it was about. Great. Well, I know that they're going to kick the doors open here any minute. So, just uh, another couple of questions. Um, what are some horror movies? Assuming that you do like some, uh, somebody somebody might assume that you like everything horror, but what are some early ones that, that you kind of still hold dear or that they really feel like the horror mood or the Halloween mood? You know, I, I grew up on old time, uh, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, Mummy, the old, yes, old horror the Universal movie. Monsters. The Universal Monsters, and that's what I grew up on. And then later on, you know, I wasn't a, really a fan of it. It was not a big deal, but I went and saw The Exorcist when oh. it came out, and that one just scared the bejesus <laughs> out of me, you know. Uh, I do enjoy horror movies, I really, and I am a fan of a, of a lot of, of, of the horror uh, genre, and so, yeah, my wife is not, but I am. Great. Yeah, we we uh, actually christened our podcast by talking about um, a little feature we call Cut to the Sequel, and to point out to the listeners that Sequels aren't anything new. Uh, we did Bride of Frankenstein, which had its 80th anniversary this year, and uh, I grew up on those also. So I get you. Um, my dad grew up on them, and I grew up on them in Chicago. We had something called Creature Features. Oh yeah. And we opened the show with a theme from Creature Features, uh, and it's it's great to just have that. I used to watch that too. Were you from Chicago? Oh, oh yeah. You know, no, I'm not. As far unattached as everybody thinks, I do. You know, I remember all that stuff. Oh yeah. So that was a lot of fun. You know. Oh yeah, and it it was uh, it was always that that mood that they would open those Universal Studios. They would set the mood immediately. It was great. Absolutely. What what would be the your earliest memory of a movie that really scared you? That had you hiding under the covers when you were a kid? That sort of thing. I, I'm gonna go back to that one. I I remember going to the to the movies to see Exorcist and then driving home on the freeway. And that face popped up on the windshield, and I swear to God, you know, I saw that. And just, you know, I had to pull off. Oh, know, yeah. And get the heartbeat back down, and that's, it's not real. It's not real. No. But, man, it <laughs> scared the, you know, what out of me. Yeah. You know, and um, I tell her, you know, I, I like movies. I go to be entertained, and I want to be entertained. I, I didn't want to be scared the crap out of it, but it was still very entertaining. Yeah. So the so the most uh, outstanding memory of that truly being frightened. You were old enough to be driving a car on the I was freeway. Old enough, yeah. I was, you know, I was in 
19, 20 years old, and man, oh man, come on. And I know it's not real. Right. Know, oh yeah, it still scared the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we're about to uh, kick it off, so I'm going to thank you for your time. I really do appreciate you, and our listeners do as well. And uh, have a great convention, and happy Halloween. Thank you very much, and I appreciate it very much, and it goes out to you guys. You know, I I appreciate it, and let's get the word out. Got it. Thank Thank you, you, Bob.